0: and start building excellence in your life, leadership, and legacy. Today we have Jared Anderson on the show. Jared is the co-founder of Six Day Properties, an extremely successful home building and developing firm based out of Tulsa, Oklahoma. Jared grew up with an entrepreneurial spirit, mowing lawns, and helping remodel houses. He eventually turned his love for real estate into a full-time job when he and his partner Dave started Six Day. I love Jared's perspective on life, work, and living by principles and not pressure. So many of us live by reacting to the daily demands of life, yet Jared has a great perspective and action steps on changing that and being intentional about everything that you do. He elaborates on what it takes to build a successful business, live with purpose, have an abundance mentality, create really good systems, and a lot more. So enjoy the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Building Excellence Podcast. Today, I've got a friend, Jared Anderson, with me. Jared, thanks for being here.
1: Hey, Bailey, thanks so much for having me. We're gonna have a lot of fun today. Looking forward to it.
0: I know this is gonna be a great conversation. So, real quickly before we kind of dive into kind of what you're doing now, let's let's hear a little bit more about your upbringing, what that was like for you.
1: Yeah, you know, I had uh, I had an interesting uh, upbringing. Uh, my my dad was a pastor, so I grew up as a as a pastor's kid. Um, was always fascinated with business from a very young age. I mean, from as, as little as I can remember, I I always just was like, I want to own my own business one day. What does that look like? I think I started my first endeavor at 10 years old mowing lawns and it was about as legit as you could possibly be. It was dad helped me, uh, you know, print off everything that I need to go to the neighborhoods. And I had neighborhoods that I would work. And I worked that really faithfully and started at about 10 years old, uh, producing income. And so that was kind of the way we were brought up was uh, just a lot of work ethic, you know, that my that my dad had had instilled in us. And so we just kind of grew up going, man, if we want something, we're going to have to go do some work and produce it. So that was kind of where it started for me. Uh, I would say by the age of 14, I was I was working probably two jobs in the midst of school and all that kind of stuff that it just kind of came with it. It was just like it didn't stop. It only got to be more. At 16 was really where I felt the entrepreneur... Um, oh, I don't know. The spirit just come over me. And and I, I remember being very conscious at 16 years old going, I want to be in real estate. And I don't even know everything that that means. <laughs> I want to be in real estate. My uncle's doing it. I love it. I love housing. I love buying. I love selling. I love building. What does this all look like? And so I just knew at that age, I was like, okay, I, I'm not great at school. You know, So many of our uh, of us entrepreneurs are not uh, amazing book smart people, people, but we're great street smart people. And sure. so uh, I, I, I continued going through there. My family, we were remodeling some houses uh, on the side just to produce some extra income. Uh, we were doing all the work as a family together, which was really fun. Uh, going in my senior year, my dad helped uh, my brothers and I buy a house and it was kind of like our project, if you will and and we, we did just about everything unless a licensed trade needed to do it. And yeah. even then still kind of helped them out and, and was really trying to learn that that industry. Uh, going into college, I couldn't wait to move out of the house. Not not because I grew up in a bad household. My It, it was incredible. I had a great household. I was just ready to start life. I was just ready to start going and, and getting into business. And I was like, at that time, you know, this was in the late 90s. And I'm just like, man, college was a, was a huge deal. Having a, a degree was a massive thing and getting a job. So I'm like, look, I don't want to go do all this general education, but I want to go get all my business schooling. So set off on the journey, moved out at 18 years old, went to Trinity International University in Deerfield, Illinois, and just started tackling all of my business courses, knocked out most of a four-year business degree in one year of classes. still never got my degree to this day I'm a few credits away but I've never needed it since because everything from there you know typically involved working um, you know for for myself and I just think that was one of the greatest things for me was just you know dad had instilled in us from a very early age do what we want to do you know, put our head to the, you know, to the work and just get after it. There's really no magic bullet for success with this stuff. It's just, it's a, it's a lot of work and, and going through it. So kind of leaving there, I was, I was in the phase of, of getting married, Um, been married 18 years now and uh, have a wonderful wife at home. Who's, you know, just always supported, you know, my, my business and whatever I kind of wanted to go put my hands to. So it started this um, this phase for me where I got licensed as a real estate agent. I'm just like, okay, let me go learn this industry. I had grown up um, building houses for some builders and uh, also doing our own remodels. And so kind of getting the nuts and bolts of it, if you will, but now wanted to learn kind of the... The buying and the selling and the transactional side of, of real estate, seeing a lot, seeing what was popular, finding out what people wanted, um, got licensed in 2003. And we started working that really, um, really hard. In 2009, I would say is where stuff really took off, um, you know, for me in that I started working with um, another realtor here in town very well-respected, huge business. Um, I, I came in, uh, with her as a closing manager. Uh, she was selling about $8 million in real estate a year at the time, which is good. I mean, that, you know, that's a, that's a, a great business and she was starting to grow. She really wanted to scale from there. Um, I was with her for a number of years. And by the time that I left her, um, I had built all of the systems in in place where when I left, we had 53 million in in closings in a year. Now they're up to about 150 million a year uh, in sales. And so there was a lot of work that just went into um, systems and building and closing about 18 to 22 housing transactions a month. Um, And that's really when we get to the fun part of the story, which is, owning and operating a business, right?
0: Yeah. And before we get into that, I'd just like to hear, you know, were you seeking out certain people uh, that had different values or were you just finding the next best opportunity? Because, you know, when you're working under different people, you get to learn so many different things, just like working for your dad. uh, You know, even going to school, you're getting to learn things from your professors, different people. But what was that like? Did you have an intentionality behind what you were doing in terms of I wanted to know this aspect of real estate, and then I want to learn this other aspect, and I want to learn from these types of people.
1: That's a great question. Um, we were—it was my mother-in-law who was doing a transaction um, with this specific real estate agent that we eventually worked for, and I remember she was just like, "This lady is amazing. I think you guys who work so well together, and it's kind of what you're looking at getting into." And so to be honest it just kind of found me and after spending some time with her and her family um still great friends with their family today incredible have a great name here in Tulsa um there was there was just a lot of values that lined up um I knew I knew that she needed help with systems and I knew that she needed um, someone with kind of the, the backend administrative uh, details that I was capable of doing. And then at the same point, I'm like, man, I can learn from this lady and just sales and people and how to read people and how to get in contract and how to negotiate and so many different things like that. So it really kind of found, uh, yeah, really kind of found me um, by relationship.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting because you get to hear that, but also I would say, the aspect of intentionality is something I can see within what you do on a daily basis today, Mm. seeking out people that you're looking to learn from to get to hear their story, understand how they've been successful within real estate. So I know that's something that is definitely paid dividends for you in terms of learning, but let's kind of dive back into your story. You said you, you made the decision to make a jump into business. What was that like for you? And talk about maybe the emotions that you had, were it something that you're just excited to jump into it? Or was it something that was a little bit, you know, I had to push yourself out there a little bit.
1: I was terrified. Okay, <laughs> i i I had uh, one of my one of my best friends um, is is now one of my two business partners here in town, and he was um, he was building some homes on the site at the time. Great houses was a great builder. And we were just great friends. And so we would we would go out to lunch together and it'd be like, we would just be talking to each other. I want to do this. Or I want to do this. He he really had a entrepreneur bent to him as well. So we would spend our lunch breaks together and we were just like, oh, what are you doing? What are you doing? And finally, one day it was just like, we could just tell there was some synergy with us. Um, I have always been like that. I'm very I I'm so relational with people. I, I just, I, I believe that so much more can be done in, in groups and, and with the right groups of people getting together. So I don't really have a, a spirit of competition in me, even with other home builders in town. I have a, a, a huge spirit of collaboration. And I think when you, when you understand that there's enough on the table for everybody it gives you so much freedom just to have yes. relationships with people. And I think that's so key. And in and, and, and all my years of business, it's just done me very well to be like that. So he and I started a, a, a company, a home building company called Six Day Properties. And the first, gosh, four months, we weren't even on a project. We would both just get done with our 40 hour week jobs we would go into his office and sometimes be there till midnight, just literally looking at projects and going, okay, well, what if we had the money? (laughs) What would we do today? If we had the money, what would we do to this house? What do we think we could sell for? And we just started working all the metrics of what it was like to own that business. And so when the first opportunity hit us, we were so prepared for it. It wasn't even a question. It wasn't like, Oh my gosh! Can we make this thing work? Uh, can we not? We knew that that project was going to work, and and so that's how it started. And so we were uh, we were both working forty hour week jobs at the time, um, and there was no intent on leaving those. So this for us was going to be at nights and weekends. It it kind of is the principle of how we've learned of working six days a week, and this for us was was not intended on being our 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 full-time gig but it eventually turned into that
0: yeah no i love that and i think there's a lot of value in what you just talked about you obviously had a passion you know you and your partner dave had a passion for what you're doing and you guys kept your day jobs you're working those but you come into the office at night and figure out what you're going to do how you're going to do it you're studying you're preparing you're being intentional about how that's actually going to work and you're creating the systems that you need To be successful. So when those opportunities come and you do you have the money, you're ready to go, you know what you're doing and how you're doing it. Now there's gonna be things that, you know, will evolve on the job and and things that'll come up, but you pretty much had a good foundation upon what you're gonna do. And it reminds me, yeah, uh, we had Andrew Denton on the podcast, right? Well, you were the guy who brought me to his book. Yeah. But he talked about due diligence. And so I think a lot of people think just jump in, you know, quit my job, jump in, no money. And maybe sometimes that's correct for some people. But making, you know, evaluated a good decision based upon some of the things that are in front of you today and not just necessarily just jumping out a hundred percent risk, taking those steps and seeing how it aligns with, you know, maybe something that is going to work. Right. And then being able to fully step away because you've done some due diligence to see that, Hey, this is working or maybe, Hey, this isn't working. Maybe I shouldn't do that. So,
1: yeah, I couldn't agree more. And this is, this is probably a great time just to take a little side note and, and even just talk about that. Like speaking to starting a business and when is the right time? And, and do you do this with uh, business partners or do you do it by yourself? Um, purpose is something to me that uh, it, it's just paramount in my life. I, I, and I think everyone really wants to know what is their purpose Here on this earth, Um, I don't care what faith or belief you are anything we're all chasing something we all are chasing meaning Uh, you're building for some sort of reason and not a lot of people can really put into a tangible word. What the heck does that even mean and so for me i'd love to just give everyone listening a just a tangible thing here, I think information is amazing data is incredible, but application is what pays the bills. It really does. And I know so many people that are just a sponge for information and that's so good, but like, what are you doing with that information? I think that's the the key stuff for me. So I love listening and gleaning from podcasts, but even more than hearing my story, I'd love to give people some tangible steps. on going, if you're looking for purpose, here's some great ways to do it. There is two words that if you if you just brand these two words in your in your brain, it will start to unlock purpose for you. And those two words are what if? And mm, love it. everything in life is you see the world differently than anybody else. And so I would just ask myself this question all the time, well, what if that was different? Or what if this existed? or what if this thing that existed here did this? That's where innovation comes from. That's how things uh, tweak and happen. Um, One of my closest friends is actually my pastor's name's Whitney George. He calls it your holy discontent. Mm -hmm. And I love that. It's basically, it can be be something that just grinds at you that's irritating. So when you're at home and something's not working and you find yourself really frustrated, just ask yourself, what if this did this? And then go do it because there's probably other people out there that really are going through the same thing you are. And and I truly believe that's how great businesses, great products, great services, all are invented, come from things asking, uh, what if? And a lot of times with that, there's so much in finding out um, what you're unwilling to do rather than what you think you should be doing. Mm -hmm. So to kind of continue that conversation, Uh, starting a business with and without partners. I I talked a little bit about synergy. I love synergy. I believe in running a business. There's so many different aspects to a business that I meet very few people that that in a singular fashion can actually handle everything or they even want to run everything in that business. So Dave and I was just whatever his strengths were, were really my weakness. Whatever my strengths were, was his weakness. And I think that was... Such a key for us going in there. You know, there's a stat I heard uh, the end of last year that 50% of people graduating high school today want to open a business. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, no one was starting businesses. That was not something that you did. It, But now it's as simple as, oh, I have this idea. Let's go on legal Zoom. Let's get an EIN number kind of fumble my way through QuickBooks and let's see if we can make a go at this, right? Like that's, Uh that's what people think about this stuff. And so for me, I, I really think if you're looking for a business partner to go in with, I've heard it said that I would rather have a great business partner and a good project rather than a good business partner and a great project goes back to a little bit of what you and I were talking to earlier, just relationships, man, when stuff goes sideways, I want someone I can know and trust who's got my back Mm -hmm. rather than we had an amazing idea. And then we wound up disbanding and killing what we were capable of because I just didn't get the right person. A great friend of mine once said, Hey, it's, really difficult to have fights with the business partner when you have nothing. It's easy to <laughs> align. It's easy yeah. to sit there and all be on the same page, but he goes, why don't you go stick $50 million in the bank? Yeah, And then we'll start to see how those conversations change. And change I think
0: that's,
1: <laughs> it changes a little bit and it might not even be a dollar factor. It might be a quality of life that you want. And so mm. These are, for me, I'm now to the point, and we'll kind of get to this, where I I got two business partners with me, but these are conversations that we have constantly. Mm -hmm. I mean, one of the favorite questions for us to ask each other every couple of months is, what if you had X amount of money in the bank, what would your life look like? What would you want to do vocationally? Uh, What would you want to do with your family? Are you even going to live in Tulsa six months out of the year? Mm -hmm. (laughs) What are we talking about? Those conversations are really fun to have. So learning how to have those, acting like you have everything and acting like you have the money in the bank gets a lot out on the table besides getting there and never having those discussions when you were all on the same page in the beginning. That's a big, that's a big part of it for sure. Yeah,
0: and I wanna probe into that question too because well, I mean, once you ask that question and you can kinda work from your ideal life backwards, and then implement those things in your business? Why do people not ask those questions? Or why do you think maybe people don't ask those questions as much?
1: I think most people, I think it's just a lack of knowledge. I don't think they've been faced with it yet. So they don't even know to ask the question as you grow. And as you get more, those questions start to come out. And it's, it's how you deal with Everything that hits you there, there, are you going to learn and build on that for what's co- going to come at you in the future? So that's a that's a big one for us, and it's not even money. I mean, it's hey, what if we want to run a big business that we all need to be here for every day? But your dream life is sitting on a beach six months out of the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, what does that look like? How are yeah. we doing this today? How are we going forward today together and learning how to be honest with each other? That's that's such a, a big part of this. And, and again, information is great, application is better. So as you're learning these things and as you're hitting the wall, it's finding a tangible way to make this applicable in your lives and have the conversation.
0: How important do you think courage is?
1: I think courage is amazing. I think if, if we're all being real and we kind of peek behind the curtains of, of all of us who are small business owners, yeah, it takes a lot of courage. And even stepping into a lot of things, we might not be as sure of ourselves as what we really think we are going in there. But I think when you have certain levels of goals and passion behind you, I think that passion kind of gives you some courage to go do that. When you feel called to something and you know what you do, it's just a shot in the arm. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there's a couple words thrown around huge. I mean, even what we're talking about right now, how do we do things with, with, with excellence? Um, I, I, I come from a little bit of the background of, of being involved with a lot of friends of mine working in ministry and, So it's part of this discussion all the time is, is excellence. How do we do everything with excellence? And so I've, I've grown up around that my entire life. And I think if we're being real, I think most of us turn things into perfectionism over excellence. Mm. And the, the cleanest way that I can say that to you is perfectionism is about you and excellence is about other people. Uh, Excellence promotes things for the greater good. It brings everything and everyone around you up to a level that they didn't even know that they were capable of. Uh, Excellence elevates, perfectionism pushes other people away. Um, That's really, for me, I think what has been at the core, and it goes to everything from every relationship to talking about competition or collaboration. Everything for me is ex- excellence. I want, whether it's a staff member, whether it's a subcontractor that I deal with, a vendor, I want everyone to be elevated when they get around me, not because it's the Jared Anderson show, but because we're here to promote the greater good. Um, there's a, a an awesome pastor named Chris Hodges, and he once said of his dad, live by principle and not by pressure. And if you decide what's right ahead of the time, then you'll do what's right at the time. And I think that's so key. So I -hmm. I don't want to live my life one way behind a closed door uh, and act another way to certain people in my industry or my friends or my family or people who are close to me. I really think doing things with excellence is thinking about others first And there's something that everybody wins when you do that. And I think that's great. So that's my little bent on excellence versus perfectionism.
0: Yeah, no, I love that. I love those quotes and also just making decisions ahead of time. So like you said, live by principle, not pressure. So many of us are are reactive instead of proactive, right?
1: That's it. We're firefighters, man. We're just dealing with what's coming at us today.
0: Especially in development and construction. That's for sure. (laughs) I know that. But what does it look like for you? To actually apply yeah. excellence within your work and in, in home building and then development, what does that look like?
1: I think it's um, so a great one for me is yes, I you know I'm a home builder and and a developer, uh, you know just a, a good for instance uh, for people uh, that I deal with would be subs and vendors. A big one is is subcontractors, and a lot of times these guys aren't treated great. They're not treated well. I mean, that that's just a shame of our industry. And we treat them like human beings. I mean, we treat these people, we invest in their businesses, we work with them to um, help if there's something that they don't understand about their business, so they become better business people. Um, we bonus people, like we put our money where our mouth is. We actually, in fact, I'm, I'm thinking of a, for instance, right now where we're dealing with We're dealing with issues of labor shortage for instance and so it's hard to get people to your job sites and jobs are taking you know two to three times longer to build than they ever have and so we could deal with that and just go okay do we just go find other people how do we do this we went to the guy who's been with us for years and said how do we make this win-win for you what if we start to bonus you and give you financial bonuses when you hit things on time for us. Dude, it has completely changed the way our business has run. Uh, I no longer am wondering if the painter's showing up there. Dave and Skyler, my business partners, aren't wondering if the painter's there. He's there and he's doing more work and better work for us than he ever has over those 10 years. Because we invested in him, and then we've also taken care of him, and I think that's a lot of it for people. there's financial side, there's business events uh, helping people just grow their business and working with them i I think that's a big part of it for me,
0: yeah, and the relational side, just like you talked about oh, just man. caring for people, something as yes. simple as asking just the simplest questions of getting to know somebody on top yes. of everything you just said is so important, and I know you guys do that. But as yeah. we talk about business and you and Dave starting your business, what was it like to build the first house and then obviously to grow it and to get it to where it is and then pivoting a little bit? Talk about your experience within business and and how you've kind of shaped everything.
1: Absolutely. Um, we have morphed incredibly over the last 10 years. You know, and that's one of the beautiful things about real estate is, and I, I think when I was 16, I had this 30,000 foot view is just like, I don't know everything I want to do in real estate, but this is what I want to get into that field. And so when we started, our first project was a remodel. Dave had been building some houses on the side, new construction, but remodels was a great spot for us to dip our toe in. Uh, without being freaked out. And it was uh, not quite as expensive to get into. And so we did it. We, we jumped in, we bought our first house, started having so much fun with design. Um, we were the guys there nights and weekends cleaning up. We were cleaning up. We were uh, doing little projects there. We couldn't maybe afford to have everyone do the projects at that time. And so we just really had fun with it and it grew. I mean that the home sold uh, before we were even done with it, that was amazing for us uh, just to kind of have access like that. Um, and so it just kind of produced the next ones. And then we started having some friends that were like, man, come remodel my house. And we started dipping our toes into new construction a little bit. And I'll never forget 2016, was the first year we were in Parade of Homes, really getting into more of a prominent neighborhood here in Tulsa. And this just speaks so well of you and your family, but it was your dad, Rob, that was our biggest cheerleader. I mean, the guy that is just one of the godfathers of home building here in (laughs) Tulsa. I'm sitting here in these houses and I'm serious, countless people coming up to me we were told we had to come see this house by this guy. I'm like, who is this guy? Who is sending so many people up here? Found out he had volunteered to drive the judges around, loved our houses. So your dad's an incredible guy. I love him, (laughs) speaks so well of him and really speaks to, again, just the collaboration of things. But that really put us on the map. And so we, we got into kind of a fork in the road, if you will. Remodels were starting to kind of get harder to do as we became more legitimate. We needed to permit everything. We needed to have licensed people there. We needed to warranty things. We needed to do things that maybe the weekend warrior guy didn't have to do in selling his house. And in reality, we didn't always get tons more money than he did and he didn't have to do all the steps we had to do Mm -hmm. so it just naturally started to phase us out of of remodels we started getting into new construction and came out hot doing a lot of spec homes and you know for anyone listening that's about as stressful as that can get, you know, you're, you're putting yourself out there, you have uh, designed, built a home, you've probably worked for a year without a paycheck um, and paid all the interest on that house while you were doing it. So it actually cost you time and money to get there to maybe hope that you could sell it at the end.
0: And we're talking your specs are not small little specs. I mean we're talking what four thousand plus five thousand plus yes. square feet sometimes yeah, so you know big, on average, home. yeah,
1: six hundred thousand to a million dollars you know, um just a very different level, and so those were scary, right? So sure. we were doing quite a few of those and didn't necessarily like having sort of the stress that came with having to pay for those and and do all that kind of stuff so getting in we were we were um had so much favor in parade of homes the few years we were in it one first place uh in our category for decor uh as well as overall in housing and that just put us on the map i mean before we knew it it wasn't 200 people coming in a parade of homes. It was 7,500 people coming through a house. And we started getting a lot of people without any advertising that were like, we want you to help us design and build a house. We'll carry the note, pay everything while it's going and just pay you a general contractor fee to build it. So coming from the spec side, <laughs> and kind of the, the way that that was going, it was like, Oh my gosh, this is wonderful. Let's do this. Yeah. <laughs> so we kind of started to pivot and pivoted again and and really did that and built some great homes here for some great families in town. But we'll get into this a little bit. Underlying throughout the entire thing was a lot of stress, a lot of we were not happy to eventually get to the point where we were approaching our 10 year anniversary, where we're looking at each other going, none of what we do today is why we started a company 10 years ago. And I want to get into that a little bit here soon, Yeah, but so we started to pivot. We got into the custom home building, had some great success there, um, built one spec house that did not do well, actually cost us a lot of money to build, and so it's like, oh my gosh, we're just going to kind of get out of that for a little while, and and get the ones that are paying us every two weeks. Um, that was a really, you know, sort of pivotal time. Uh, fast forward to COVID. COVID has just kind of made everybody crazy, um, <laughs> I, and and I don't mean that in this derogatory way, but I I just think everyone has so much more pressure. Than they've ever had am i still gonna have a job am i still gonna have my paycheck uh the control is off the charts and it has just gotten to building custom homes is almost being an impossible for us so through this process of starting to get in the prey to homes and do this um, we really wanted to develop some dirt and become land developers that is a very difficult um, industry to get into. It's probably one of the least things you can get lending on from a bank. Uh, they hate it. They don't really want to get lend you money on that sort of project. So it takes a lot of vision. It takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of cash. So we were fortunate through this period. Um, we acquired a piece of land and The the dreams just started and dreams are just fuel, man. I I mean, to anyone listening, if you don't have specific time and I mean very specific time where you can clear your head and you can dream and you can ask the what if, then eventually you're going to probably fall in a ditch. I ride motorcycles. It's my hobby. It's the thing I pour myself into. It's not midlife crisis, but just my closest friends. We're all into it. We all work on it. There's this thing in motorcycling called target fixation or target lock, which is if you're not looking far enough ahead of you, if you are, the bike will follow where you want to go. You're looking through a turn. You're doing all that. Where most wrecks happen, if you ever watch motorcycle fails on YouTube, is because someone got caught with target lock. And they got target fixated on one point, and it usually was something towards the ditch, and they just drove straight in the ditch. And your brain knows you're going to the ditch, knows you don't want to go to the ditch, Hmm. but nothing you will do can have the muscle reaction to get you out of that. So you could be following someone and if they go in the ditch, you are going in the ditch. So for me, dreams are fuel. If you are not looking multiple steps ahead of you, seeing where things are going, seeing what's the next, seeing what's the, the, what innovation is hitting, whatever industry you're in, dreaming about what you think you want to do personally and vocationally, you're going to wind up in a ditch at some point. So for me, we started getting into land development, and I thought, this is going to be easy. Now, mind you, I'm five years in this project, and we are finally about to turn dirt. Yeah. (laughs) But that was, I, I mean, if I could rewind the clock on you and walk you through those five years it's been more pain and heartache and toil and there's been many times where i'm almost like i almost would just rather not have got into this we we hear at six day called the red sea moment what's your red sea moment going to be at what point are you either going to go this water's parting and i really feel called to do this and i was supposed to do this Mm. or i'm jumping in the water either way (laughs) and when you say when you think you're at the bottom i found there's usually a few more levels to go than what you really (laughs) thought was going to be possible. And so I hate to say that, but that's a reality of business. And so starting to walk through that process and and get this project towards launching, I found out we needed a $14 million sewer line. Uh, We needed a $1.5 million private water line. There's working with city of Tulsa municipalities, there's working with other developers, nothing happens fast in in this world. And no bank wants to lend you to even, you're in this weird dichotomy where you can't get the money to go do what you need to do, but yet the banks want you to be working on it to start seeing it done before they'll give you the money. That's land development 101. And so you live in this tension of, okay, how do I, privately raise some money. How do I keep people happy? How do I, um, make sure I don't over promise and underdeliver? deliver, uh, especially when you're dealing with private. I've had a lot of private money that we have borrowed over the years and it's all good in the beginning till it doesn't go when you think it's going to go that way.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: You could lose out on everything. So it got to this point, um, for me, I was approaching 39 years old and I'll just be vulnerable with you for a second. Um, October, 2021 had a series of about five full-blown panic attacks. And if you've ever had one, you know, you've had one. If you're asking the question, did I have one? You probably haven't had one. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> I mean, it is literally a simulated heart attack. It is something that you are convinced you are gonna die And that there's a massive problem with you and it just triggers everything from emotions to, I need to go get looked at physically and all these things. And Mm -hmm. there's a whole lot that goes into it, but, but essentially your, your body can only take on so much stress and your body can only have so many stressful things happen in a week without some sort of replenishment cycle to where if you are not respecting that, it'll just snap on you one day when you think you're okay. And I'm just being vulnerable with you. That's where I wound up. And I'm rapidly approaching 40 years old going, okay, strap me to a heart monitor and have a panic attack in a jet 30,000 feet up. I've done it and it's not fun. And no. there's a lot of questioning you know, going on. And so I walked through about five years of just, is much morphing and pivoting with this project is as you could probably imagine and and the quick snapshot was we were developing 117 acres going to build 407 houses ourselves. uh, Three acres of commercial and owning business and a property management company, and it was uh, Tulsa's first uh, master plan development. And so the city was excited you know banks are excited but make a note of this one. Sometimes vision scares people. So when you walk in, I mean, I was casting so much vision. We had vision for days. I mean, we had worked with uh, a marketing firm. We had all the branding and all the, the, the story and all the marketing and the logos and everything you could possibly imagine. Everyone thought it was a good idea until they're like, well, I have to finance that. And it scared them to death. And it was only when we started to back away (laughs) back away some of the details. No, it's really not as different as what you think it is. Guys, we're just <laughs> building houses here. All of a sudden it starts to loosen up. Vision scares people. And, and I, I can run around and just throw matches on gas everywhere. A vision. I mean, that's a great thing for me. I, I can just light everything on fire. I got vision for days yeah. because it's just what I do. I create space to dream.
0: And, and so does different too. Different scares, right? And that's a little different bit scares, doing,
1: right? Yeah, it was different. You know, lot sizes were just a little shorter than Very you know, maybe the normal yeah. neighborhoods that they deal with. Well, who's financing that commercial? And do you have enough people in here? To... And so everything that you've dedicated your life to, someone is shooting down in 90 seconds. And if you're meeting with a private investor, you have about 90 seconds to give them the nuts and bolts before they have tuned you out and started pulling out their calculator. And whatever you thought you were going to tell them that day and have a 20 minute presentation, you got about 90 seconds. I can tell you that right now. That's great. So advice. I've, I've learned, I've learned how to package things when I go to meet with people, give them the good vision, but not the scary part of it. Give them the things that maybe isn't as different, show them how it could be the same, even though I know it's different, mm-hmm. um, learn how to hit the high points with people so that they just don't cut you off and start pulling out their calculator. Yeah. Those are big steps that, that we've just kind of learned through this process. So I went through that whole phase and I, I just took a, a period over uh, November of 2021, just to ask myself some real questions. Am I happy? We're, you know, we're walking into our 10 year. Am I happy? And, I got a second phone number at the time because I was so frustrated with clients blowing me up at 10 a.m. on Sunday with absolutely nothing urgent or nothing needed and Stupid questions. Stupid questions. and, And, hey, you billed me for a two by four. How do I know it showed up at my house? And all these things that were literally, literally pumping the brakes on running our business. And I'm holding up. $50,000 Fifty thousand dollars worth of invoices to question a three hundred and forty five dollar one because they either pay you all or nothing. So started walking through this whole phase and just going, I'm not happy, uh, I'm not fulfilled, and I and I'm doing everything that I hate. Nobody told me when I started this business that this was part of what was going to have to take to get there, and so that's a that's a big part of this. And one of the things that I really wish someone would have told me 25 years ago when I was starting to get working and in vocation and get into jobs um, was asking myself more what I am unwilling to do rather than what I am willing to do. Because starting a business sounds glamorous. Everything sounds glamorous, but it's thinking through the things that you're going to hate doing that is going to point you to what you should be doing. So I took some very specific time, man, I wish someone would have told me that a long time ago. Gosh, I wish they would have because in November, I started to just put things on a whiteboard and go, I hate this. I hate this. I hate this. Okay. Where does that leave me? Well, you know what? Honestly, you should probably be building spec houses. And if spec houses are kind of stressing you out too, maybe you should be in just land development. Maybe the land development side and starting to include some other builders around you would provide you the piece that you're looking for. It would allow you to travel like you would. um, You wouldn't have to carry the two cell phones. I don't have to, a piece of land doesn't break in half. I don't have to worry about. Fighting on a warranty issue for a piece of land that breaks in half. You're someone's hero when you can go sell them a lot. You know, right now in Tulsa, we have a massive lot shortage. So we started thinking, man, there's so many guys that we respect in town that A, don't have the money to go develop their own land, and B, have nowhere to go because Tulsa is primarily developed by about five entities. And most of them are developing for themselves. So it's very different to do what us home builders in town want to do and do something cool and bring something fresh in town because you don't have access to the land. And then you pay a high retail premium for that land. So it started all of us. I just literally had to walk in uh, to both my business partners. We were doing end of the year planning. We were like, are we going with the full send plan on our project called Concord and going to staff up to 15, 20 people and build all these houses? And it took a lot of courage to have to walk in that room and say, guys, I don't see myself doing that. I don't think I can. And I've poured myself five years into doing this, but I at least need to explore with you. What does this look like if we don't do this? oh my gosh, I had incredibly gracious business partners that didn't yell, didn't scream and you know, throw things at me, took it in stride, said, okay, let's walk this out. What does this look like? And as we started getting into it, we started going, man, there were some things they hated that yeah. they really would have hated had we gone in and done these things. And so while there was times, I think, God was preparing me for some things. I thought he was preparing me. I think he was more protecting me. (laughs) Yeah. And that's a, that's a big one that, that takes some serious, a serious spirit of discernment to be able to learn at what point does something, are you being prepared for protected from and yeah, that's a that's a big one to walk through. So throughout this process, um, Dave and I had decided to take on a sec uh third business partner, and had a guy that we had had loved for years, built him and his family um, a personal house, and this guy is just awesome. And it was it was like it was our our strand of three that came in, and it made us so strong because. You know, Dave is so good at dealing with subcontractors and people and diffusing situations and, and running projects. We all love design. I'm great at systems and administration and details and growth and dreaming and where are we going and what are we doing combined with Dave and Skylar? And Skylar's like. I'm going to walk in here with a flamethrower and I'm going to light everything on fire and we're going to build and we're going to grow and we're going to scale. And he just comes from that mentality. Um, and so he is awesome for us. The growth and scale that we've had in 16 months from him coming in has started us in our 10th year when most businesses would already have closed their doors by now, having probably by 3 to 4 times our best year ever we're walking into our best year ever by 3 to 4 times which is amazing so learning to step back and ask yourself what am i unwilling to do is typically going to point yourself at what you should be doing what's left because that's the reality most things are not glamorous in running a business and there's a lot of things you're probably going to hate so i think it passion will only get you so far
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Passion is one of those things that is incredible. Passion combined with purpose starts to become a force that's reckoned with. But your passion should be producing some form of discipline in your life. It should allow you to take the extra project, work on the extra thing, build a re- routine. It should make every area of your life better. And so if you're in something and other areas of your, your life are failing and you can point to them and go, I'm in the red over here and I'm in the red over here, it's because your passion is there, but it's drowned out and it cannot keep going. So it's only when you allow that to combine it with discipline that it starts to produce things in your life. little side note with that, we... We only think of this in monetary fashion, but almost every person I know is living an overspent life right now. Uh, We live in a credit card culture. I mean, think about this, Bailey. It's like not long before we were born, credit cards didn't even exist. Yeah. Yeah. It it wasn't even available. Uh, Credit walking down and, you know. Buying a pair of the latest hype sneakers and being able to do it in five payments didn't exist. I mean, this is stuff that is is very new and, and very much comes up. Well, we when you stick nineteen point nine nine percent interest on it, you feel that and it's tangible and it hits you every thirty days. So we understand overspending when we're swiping a credit card, but most of us are swiping the credit card of our time emotionally. Of saying yes to things that we shouldn't be and so if you're not consistently taking time to look at areas of your life spiritually emotionally physically vocationally relationship wise and you're in the red on those then you are living an overspent life and at that point that's when you have to pull back sit down for a second and say what needs to change in my life and those have been some big steps for me As I'm approaching 40 years old of going, my gosh, had someone been able to tell me this when I was 20, it would have saved me a lot of heartache for sure.
0: Oh yeah. I mean, there's, there's so much to unpack in that. We can't even get to all that, (laughs) but man, there's so many good things in there. You talk about passion and purpose and, and going after things that you feel led to go after, but at the same time, you talked about kind of those red sea moments where you don't feel like it can get any worse and it gets a little bit worse. And so there's an element of grit and determination that too, but also what you talked about just a second ago is just taking a little bit of time, maybe each day. I mean, it could be a minute each day or ideally a little bit more, but yeah, or each week, each month to look back at the day, the week, the month, the year to see where you've been, look at the things that are red, greens, things like that, and then understand, okay, what is not working here? right? Mm-hmm. And then basically taking those things and applying them, like saying, okay, this is not working. Let's apply this because this works out a lot better. And like what you talked about, uh, just having the foresight to understand what that is. And instead of just feeling like I've spent five years and doing this thing a certain way, I've got to keep doing it. No, you you were able to sit back, reflect, talk with your business people, your business partners, yeah, and say, hey, let's let's rethink this and let's figure out what works best for us. But also, Uh, for the project as well and i think that's powerful
1: yeah Um, i i think you know just to hit on what you said real quick and i think i think one of the key things along with that is don't take on everything at once yeah work on something that's in the red you don't have to work on everything today uh bite the elephant one bite at a time um the other secret to it is is typically replace and not remove not everything needs to be removed. Um, you know, when you're talking, there's a lot of people probably listening to us right now because we live in the USA that we're overweight. You're hugely overweight. Okay. Well, don't just stop eating. Don't just stop all the funds, learn to replace things rather than removing things and build something that's sustainable rather than just, I can stand on my head for 90 days and, try to lose some weight, build something sustainable in your life. That's a big key to what you're talking about.
0: No, that's great. And, you know, I want to honor your time as we wind down here, talk about what that means in marriage too. What, How has it been um, to implement some of these things within the yeah. perspective of marriage?
1: Yeah. Communication's key. I think if, uh, as all of us who are uh, some form of business owners, if if that's where you find yourself, uh, probably one of the things we do the worst is communicate to our spouse. Um, you come home from a day that could have been some good. Um, a lot of our days are rough. A lot of our days are high stress. The last thing we want to do is is come home and say, "Hey, hun, this is what happened in my day, and it was terrible." By the way, how was yours? <laughs> and so learning how to communicate that, um, in, in including your spouse and what you're, you're doing. Uh, I'm so fortunate to have an incredible wife. She, she feels like her calling in life has always been to support whatever I felt called to do in business. We decided early on in our marriage, not to have children, part of which was because we just, we love to travel um, a bigger part of it was I knew that I was going to be called to something bigger than myself, and I knew that if I had a family at home, I would never take the risks and roll the dice that I thought I should. And so, those were conscious decisions that that we made. And for the record, were the coolest aunt and uncle you could have, and have ten amazing nieces and nephews, and love to try to make them all think we've hung the moon. So we don't lack for anything relationally or with our families. But I do think that communicating with your spouse and finding a way to learn how to communicate the tough stuff as well as the wins so they can celebrate and feel like they're a part of your journey. If you do have kids at home, they've probably been changing diapers that day and can't even have a real conversation with someone. So learning how to include them, I I think is is probably one of the biggest spots of that.
0: Yeah, that's great advice. You know, as we kind of wind down within the yeah. context of the business things you talked about, um, are there any other pieces of business advice that you think are really important as you look back at your career so far? Oh man, great question. Shared?
1: Great question. One last thing I, I think I would I would hit on is learning how to build something repeatable. Um, I'm a systems guy. I love systems. Um, building a system that checks the boxes 85% of the time is not a system. Let me just be clear on that. So learning how to build something that you can check the box 100% of the time time after time after time is how you will succeed. So when I was working uh, in real estate as the closing manager, I built systems that were could, could deal with way more transactions than I was dealing with at the time because I was thinking ahead to go, okay, what if we had 200 closings this year, not 50? Can I still manage the same thing? That's system is still the foundation and the backbone of what is running $153 million of closing in real estate today. A lot of guys do not build and honor a system. Details matter. Things are important. Don't be a firefighter. Don't be chasing stuff away. Learn how to be proactive and not reactive. And the way that happens is having a repeatable system that you can put in place that has elevated some other people around you to teach them to be better. And that makes your business run well. That's a big one for me.
0: Yeah, no, that, that's such a powerful piece of advice. And so important, not just in business, but in life, you know, figure yeah. out what you want and then create the system to make it happen.
1: Manage your finances, manage your time, give every dollar a name, give every minute a name be intentional with what you do and have a system there that that is so crucial you you're so right you could apply that and everything to your personal finances to how you spend your time, what you say yes to, what's okay on the weekend, what doesn't It's amazing when when you get intentional and you you know what makes you tick like I have a Sabbath day on Sunday. my wife and I do. She knows, There's probably not a whole lot I'm going to say yes to on Sunday. Now, if the guys call up and say we're riding bikes, that's replenishment cycle for me. That counts. I'm going to go do that. I'm not going to go meet a client. I might not even go hang out with family and friends that day. I might just sit around in a hammock in the backyard and dream a little bit. That stuff is really important. And when you know what you can say yes to, when something comes up, you just don't feel the obligation to have to say yes anymore.
0: Yes, I love it. That's great. Yeah, well, we're gonna do a little fire round here. So I'm gonna say some things my favorite. Can, Let's go finish it off in a in a sentence or a word. So resilience is
1: learning to be able to still be standing when things are tough, and to do the right thing.
0: Favorite vacation spot. Oh, my goodness. Wow.
1: Las Vegas for me. If, if you, if you know me, you know, I am larger than life. I love good food. I love amazing buildings and I love the desert and the warm temperatures.
0: Okay. And bling. Don't forget the bling. Yeah, uh, the bling. <laughs> okay. Uh, determination is.
1: Yeah. I think determination is learning how to stick through and grind out when things get tough but just as much a part of that is knowing when you need to morph and change and pivot that I think is as big a part of determination as anything is knowing when to stop and when to keep going that's a big one
0: that's great you can do anything if
1: I think you can well for me I think you can do anything if um, you have Jesus in your life. I really do. I mean, I don't want to over spiritualize everything for, for everyone. And, but that I cannot imagine my life without having church community, um, people helping grow me, make me better and having, you know, relationship and, and prayer and, uh, feeling, you know, purpose behind what I'm doing. Yeah.
0: Favorite building project. Oh,
1: favorite building project. Yeah, I would say um, the one I've had the most fun on, oddly enough, was one we just finished. And it was a house that uh, had this walkthrough bridge between the house and, and actually had a, a running river beneath it. So you could walk from your living room to your master bedroom over a river and it was all glass that looked down in it. And it was, it was just something special, man. And for Tulsa, it was different. And uh, it was fun to just kind of work that out and have a good time with it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. It yeah. all comes down to.
1: I think it all comes down to when you're gone. What would people say about you? Um, because there's other people that are still going to have to deal with collateral damage when you're gone. There's other people in your life, whether it's your spouse, your family, people, I would rather, even though I'm probably not even going to be able to hear it, I would much rather people be able to say something good about me and know that I, I did the right thing a hundred percent of the time I did live by principle and not by pressure.
0: Yeah, that's great. We're done with the fire on the last two questions I have for you. is, Is there a certain piece of best advice that you haven't already shared that is really important to you?
1: Yeah, man, that's, that's amazing. Um, there's a, there's a quote that I love um, by Dr. Dre. And if you, if you do not know him and Jimmy Iovine are probably some of the most brilliant business guys, honestly. I mean, all of us would know him from rap music, but Beats by Dre and all these other business ventures, multi, multi, multi-billion dollar guys. He says it like this. He says, what are you going to dedicate yourself to the art or the money? And I think that is a question you will have to answer when you start a business. Um, there was many years in our business, we dedicated ourselves to 100% of art and had no money. And that's very real. Learning how to balance that to where you cannot just be a sellout for money, but at the same point, get enough, get a strong foundation so that ultimately it will unlock more of the, the art opportunities. I love that one.
0: Yeah, that's a great one. I like that. So this podcast is called Building Excellence. What does building excellence mean to you?
1: Yeah, I think I think building excellence for me is is, is about building something lasting, building something that people felt like they got more than they bargained for. And for the people who deal with me on a daily basis that they feel elevated to... Um, that I can elevate them to be something better and that it, that I am doing things on a daily basis for the greater good. You, when you start dealing with that sort of stuff, um, pulling people up to you, you're always going to have to remember you're strong as your weakest link. You always are. So very few people are ever going to be able to operate like the top guy in the room. So knowing your crowd, knowing your staff, knowing who you're dealing with and being very conscious about elevating them around you and teaching and growing and sharing and learning. That is to me, one of the greatest forms of excellence. I think we could have
0: enough said right there. That's a great, great way to end it. But Jared, thanks so much for coming on the show. Thanks for sharing your story and the business principles you've learned You know the thing that I think you guys do a fantastic job. You talked about the art, and and obviously one of the things you guys do an exceptional job of is design and just designing beautiful homes, beautiful developments, and just thinking about ways from a unique perspective. I think it's something that unfortunately can be a lost art at times. But like you said, combining the two art and being able to financially make it work and make sense is is so important. But yeah, if someone wanted to follow you guys, I know you guys have the website, social media. What is that? And share that with the listeners.
1: Yeah, for sure. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I, you're such a, a great friend. I'm, I'm proud of everything you've built, proud of the podcast. This is, I'm honored to be on here and be able to have this conversation with you. Should anyone want to follow us, our, our home building Instagram is probably where you'll see the mass majority of things that we're doing at Six Day Homes, S-I-X-T-H. D-A-Y homes. Um, If you want to follow me, you can get in touch with me through our website, sixdayproperties.com. My Instagram handle, Jared Anderson, 82. Anderson is A-N-D-E-R-S-E-N. I'm 100% Danish, so you can follow me there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show, Jared. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey everyone, it's Bailey Miles. Thanks again so much for tuning in. We hope you found value in the show, and if you enjoyed it, we would really appreciate you sharing the show with a friend, subscribing on Apple or Spotify podcast, writing a quick review, or leaving a 5-star rating. When you do that, it really helps get the message out and allows more people to hear these stories and help them build excellence in their life, leadership, and legacy. Now, if you have any questions, thoughts, or ideas, I'd love to hear from you. You can reach out to me via email. It's bailey at baileymiles.com. Follow us on social. We're on all the different social platforms, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Or check out our website at baileymiles.com. Once again, I'd love to hear from you, so definitely do that. And then thanks again for joining me on this journey. And remember, life begins at the end of your comfort zone.